Hello and welcome to Rose Tinted Review, the show where every week we pick something that we have nostalgia for, we revisit it and review it to find out if our hindsight is truly 2020 or we've just been wearing rose tinted glasses. I'm your host, Michael Gerbaz, and I'm joined by my good friend and co host, Connor O'Keefe. Hey, Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. This is a. Uh, Interesting one for nostalgia this week. Yeah, I feel like this one, this is the first, I feel like this is the first movie we've watched or or reviewed where we've really had to fucking check those glasses, those rose tinted (laughs) glasses, because hot damn, dude. Or not even check the glasses, but sort of think like, oh, do you remember that movie? Oh, yeah, like... I kind of do. Did I have like rose tinted cataracts as a child (laughs) or something? Like that is ridiculous. Because I remember so little about the movie, specifically plot wise. I'm like, I remember it scared me quite a bit. It's a bit creepy. So the movie we're talking about this week is We're Back, A Dinosaur Story, a 1993 animated film from uh, Amblimation. Which That's is right. a, a, a British animation studio and the animation production of Amblin Entertainment, uh, founded by Spielberg. It was founded by him in 1989 after he parted ways with Don Bluth uh, due to creative differences, I guess, in there working on Who Framed Roger Rabbit and um, Labor Before Time and uh, what was the mouse movie, American Tale. Yeah, which is, uh, yeah, it's funny because it's definitely got some vibes of uh, Land Before Time, not just the fact that they're dinosaurs. Uh, definitely got the raw end of the stick on that one coming off of good movies like Land Before Time and, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and then this this thing. You, this thing. So I remember you say you say you don't remember you say you don't remember this movie very well. I remember being utterly thrilled by this movie as a kid. I couldn't remember ah. specific scenes or, or anything, but I had I had I had like details. And as I was watching him watching this movie, those details like fired off, you know, memory <laughs> memories in my head. But the wonder, the sense of glee that I had watching this movie once was not there. That it was wide eyed little baby utter, Connor staring at the screen. Oh, utter confusion, man. 27-year-old baby Connor was not fucking <laughs> on board with this. So go on, what were you saying? So the film is based on the book of the same name, written by Hudson Tabalt. Yeah, and this is like a children's... 1987, like a, like and a it's just a... It's, it's a very... Yeah, when you say based on a book, it's, it's 29 pages, and it's a picture book. Yeah. Um, and the plot of the book, it's sort of... The film keeps sort of the through line but there's not that much because it's just a, a it's just a storybook so mm. uh yeah the dinosaurs they become intelligent they get thrown into new york city like in the film mm-hmm. um and they ended up and there's the thanksgiving day parade the same um and they end up mm-hmm. at the museum of natural history but there's no human mm. characters there's not all these weird scientists and all of this other nonsense that's tacked on i don't know it feels sort wow. of um like they just took it for namesake that it was like this is mm. a popular thing with small children and like so many adaptations of stuff in Hollywood they sort of take the name and they don't really care that much about the source material or in this yeah. not as much they didn't care about the source material but they went 
well, this isn't really enough for an animated movie. Let's like take all those <laughs> those winning things that the Disney formula does and try and like add yeah. them on top yes. of this oh, this thing. It's baffling. It's baffling. That was the thing I took away from this movie is that it it feels like. Uh, and we'll we'll come. I think we'll come back to this. We'll come back to examples of this time as we time again. go through this fucking this flick, this flick. It's it feels like Warner Brothers meets Disney by way of Spielberg, and it's not as good as any of those elements. Like it falls so short of any of those elements. I really, I think what it boils down to is Spielberg was just after that lunchbox money, but he just wasn't willing to work for it. <laughs> I can't believe that's that's like the that's the through line for this fucking podcast is yep. lunchbox money. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think Spielberg got fucking greedy, dude. Uh, production and development on this began in 1989. It took four years to make. Um, it was made at the same time as uh, an American Tale: Five All Goes West, the the sequel. So again, this is a movie that I grew up with and was very excited to watch as a kid. I rented it a uh, hundred times on, on VHS and probably wore that tape to shit. But looking at the critical response at the time, the critics at the time were not very favourable towards it. It 100% uh, Robert, bombed. Roger Ebert gave it one out of four and wrote that it's shallow and kind of dumb and the animation is routine and the story isn't much and the stakes are a lot higher these days in feature-length animation He's games. just done our job like, for us, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically. You can stop listening to this this episode now. Good night, yeah, just ladies that and one gentlemen. sentence. Yeah, like the the premise is pretty dumb, but when you think, oh, it comes from like a child's picture book, it's like, oh, dinosaurs get abducted by a flying saucer and they get given this thing that can make them uh, intelligent and not want to kill people and they get dropped mm. into New York City and you're like, oh, that's fun. But then the movie doesn't really know what it wants to do with that as, a, as a message, as a through line. It doesn't even know yeah. how to really like open the film we sort of get this really like unnecessary parallel of the bird in the tree wanting to leave the nest and and we see rex as a playing golf and he's like let me tell you a story about another boy that i knew who wanted to run away and join the circus and you're like why yeah why is this giving the movie that sort of framing device puts more pressure on the moral being something that actually is like a worthy lesson to learn. Yeah, yeah, totally. And they don't know what the what the moral is. And so then we get I don't know what the moral is. And then we get this spaceship that's very sort of like I got very ET vibes of all the very lights. Very ET vibes. Ducting yep. the dinosaurs and you're like this is a really weird introduction to a movie well, it, without it cuts back the, to the the flashback stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It flashes back to this, so it's like uh, the movies feel like it feels like it started twice at this point, um, yeah. and neither time no, no, very not, not well. Not off to a good start on either. either. No, it feels like they've to to borrow a phrase from another dinosaur flick. Spared no expense on <laughs> certain aspects of the film, or just certain shots. Like there are certain shots that look really nice. They're, they're animated really nicely, and it's like the but they took the budget from the script writing or something, or they took the budget from from some other department. And, and funneled it into that because there's just shit that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then I think it it tries so early on to try. It's very overly emotional and um, a very like sympathetic emotional feel that it's trying to go for with um, a score mm. that I was very much reminded of, of Land Before Time. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like Land Before Time's score is like full of emotion and it's super sad, but the events on, on screen have justified that. 
we're feeling in like the first 10 minutes we're getting this score that's like tragedy and it's so yeah this is a tonal mess it's like foreplay with someone that is just really not reading the the room not reading the situation well he's like ooh yeah is that tugging on, tug on your heartstrings and you're like no <laughs> like why would it be yeah it's fucking weird. So we meet Captain New Eyes, uh, again, voiced by Walter Cronkite. What okay. a weird character. So in the book, the alien uh, is the one that changes the dinosaurs into mm. intelligent beings. Um, so right, okay. Captain New Eyes is an entirely uh, created character for this film. And for some reason, he has a he's a time traveller. He's just this like all-around amazing inventor, bringing peace and wonderful things to all parts of the universe and he says yeah. oh like all of these children really really wish they could see dinosaurs so i'm gonna turn them intelligent and drop them in new york city because that'll fulfill their wishes and you're like oh my god dude you're like a highly intelligent scientist you don't you realize that like that is like the worst use of time travel that will totally fuck things up yeah, that is an awful idea. And also, like, you're a, a scientist and you're old. You're an old man. You've lived long enough to kind of know that sometimes we don't get what we fucking want. Sometimes our wishes are fucking unreasonable and, and we're right to be denied them. Yeah. These kids will be fine, all right? They don't need every fucking wish granted. Especially yeah. not sh- stupid shit like I want to see a dinosaur. I never saw a real-life dinosaur and I turned out just fine. I turned out just fine. I'm I'm having a meltdown over a 1993 <laughs> animated flick on a, on a podcast. I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> I do oh like it's cute God. that he calls it. Uh, what does he call it? Middle the middle future. That 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 was that cute. I found that baffling. <laughs> I, I was thought like, that was funny. It's like kid logic. There, it's like oh, he comes from the future, um, but modern day is further in the future than dinosaurs. So we're in the middle. Yeah, right. Instead okay. of past, present, future, yeah, sure, the present sure. can be middle future. Yeah, yeah no, I, I get that. I feel like there's just a bunch of, not only, the the movie is just a, a bunch of like tonal clashes, even right down to like the gags. Some, some gags are weirdly adult and some of them are super, super childish. And almost and none of them, them hit. Are, and, and, yeah, and almost none of them hit, exactly. So he's got his radio. It's a dream radio. We're getting all these bubbles of all these kids wishing for things that they want. And Rex mm-hmm. sees this one boy. Gee, I wish I had a friend. And Rex is immediately like responds to that and sort of uh, mm-hmm. that tugs on Rex's heartstrings. So yeah. then they get skydived into New York City, drop in the Hudson River on top of Louis' little raft. Which again, what a yeah. weird introduction to a character. They spend so much time on these weird little things. He's he's rocking out on a raft that has a a Doc Brown make your own bacon and egg sandwich machine yeah. on it for some reason. And he's like, I'm running away from home to join the circus. And a T-Rex falls on him yeah. and wrecks his raft. And he meets these dinosaurs. And we're like, we know nothing about this kid. No, no. And we know next to fuck all about these dinosaurs other than the previous scene where we, we meet them all um, on the ship and, and we get the, the you know, their, their mission is to go to Earth and, and meet this um, this doctor at the... the and Rex apologises for being a... Uh, like for, for a, a, a carnivore. Yeah, for being for a being carnivore and eating them. And it's like, I realised that was problematic. Let's all eat hot dogs because we all know that it doesn't have any real meat in them. 
of any actual animal. <laughs> Practically vegan food. And during this this uh, interaction, he kind of we get this we get the start of this recurring kind of trend in the movie where Rex goes from being quite smart to very fucking stupid <laughs> between sentences, even even in the way he talks. Yeah. It feels like some some takes they were like, nah, John, uh, do it like a dumb guy. Yeah, it's very inconsistent. I think it, I guess it's Super supposed to be that it's like he's intelligent for a dinosaur, but he's still like learning as he goes. Inconsistency is the is the factor here, and it's across the whole film. Like it feels like if they picked one thing and did it really well you'd maybe have a decent film. But again, they try to do the, ah, he's real smart, but he's real goofy, goofy T-Rex, and neither of them is seen to, you know, it's it's log- logical conclusion. That's right. And so Louis, we, we, all we get from him is like, oh, he's like a tough guy, Bronx, New York City. Yeah, he City. has one note. And he's running away from home for some reason, but we never learn what's so bad about home. No, not at all. Even when he explains... We don't. We, we still have no better understanding of his motivations. And sorry, I, I need a real back real quick. Elsa, the the pterodactyl, having the hots. Why for Rex? is she making fuck me eyes with the T Rex? That was that was the. Why only... is she horny for the T Rex? I I started like screaming <laughs> watching this fucking movie. I think that was the only joke that actually made me laugh. But I still think I'm. I don't know if I'm like laughing at it for the right reason. But when she's like, I laid an egg. You're like, what, what the fuck? I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> Who fucking wrote this movie? So, yeah, sorry. Back to back to the raft. He, he gets thrown off the raft. He, uh, they, they, they jump in the, in the raft together. There's like a lifeboat that they've been dropped down with. That the, yeah. And now, does she pull Rex out of the water or did he land in the raft? I, I don't know. I think he gets into the raft with no problem whatsoever, but then he falls in the water again and it becomes this terrible thing that he can't swim. Half a scene later. So that he's going to drown and he needs to jump into the forklift to save him, to lift him out. Oh, it's not a forklift. Yeah, uh, it's a scooper. Yeah, like a scooper. Although I did like that. I was like, dinosaurs are way too heavy to be picked up by something like that. And then it starts to tip and then the other dinosaurs jump on the back to counterbalance it. And I'm like, oh, cool. That's what I wanted to see. A little yeah. bit of realism in my dinosaur animated film. <laughs> and then it goes out the window again. All of the characters talk like idiots because they're not full, like fully developed characters. Well, I think or, that's or... why you're like, oh, I liked Rex because Rex has an, uh, an appealing design. He's a T-Rex. Li- mm. Literally none of the other characters have any like personality traits. And no. barely does Rex. Yeah, yeah, totally. He gets, a, gets by on... The fact that he is voiced by John Goodman. Yeah, and the and the best drawn dinosaur. Like Louis is just that one night note of like, hey, forget about it, you know, calling the girl uh, blue eyes and yeah, saying shit like dames and stuff. Yeah, so he yeah. wants to join the circus, which is in Central Park, and they want to go to the Museum of Natural History. So he says, yeah, now nah, like that's right near where I'm going. You can come with me first. Yeah, and he's got to help him get through the city unnoticed. And the uh, the other the professor that they're supposed to be meeting, that the dinosaurs are supposed to be meeting to go to the Museum of Natural History, is like kind of trailing behind them the whole movie. And yeah, the gag is she has bad eyesight. Yeah, and is always late, so she can't find them. So then the the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is happening. This is another thing. The movie takes place at Thanksgiving, but it's not a Thanksgiving movie. No. And I, I laughed really hard when I realized that this was a Thanksgiving Day movie because one of the wishes that we hear from one of the kids earlier, who keeps coming back in the city scenes, 
is a kid who says, I wish I had a Thanksgiving Day hat. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is a Thanksgiving Day hat? And then later on, and I was like, and why is that relevant? And then later on, they're like, oh, it's Thanksgiving Day. It's the Thanksgiving Day parade. And the, the little girl's uh, upset because the parents aren't around for Thanksgiving. And I was like, that was foreshadowing? That was fucking, that, that, that was setting up that this is a Thanksgiving movie with that fucking line. We were supposed to assume that when they went forward in time, it would happen, that would happen to land on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Well, literally every single uh, wish that the dinosaurs heard of the kids wishing for was yeah. actually happening on the day that they got dropped into New Travel York City. To. Okay, okay. Still Every single there. one of them. <laughs> Still. Oh, man. Anyway, so there's a very nicely animated, and again, a lot of the animation in this movie is quite nice. There's a lot of, like, Don Bluth-looking stuff. There's, it reminded me a little bit of the way Iron Giant kind of looks in certain, yeah, a certain little bit. ways. It's, um, there's a lot of, uh, like, CG like very basic looking CG integrated into the animation, which is like the mm-hmm. Iron Giant is mostly CG yeah. and not actually hand-drawn. But we get the the sequence of uh, Louis flying on, on Elsa. And that was weird. Uh, through the there's, city. There's, there's one shot where it's like a top down and all of the buildings are moving behind them, but all in different perspectives. Wow. I, I did not notice that. It's like, yeah, the, the buildings are all wobbling all over the place. But <laughs> Cecilia's hat flies off and he goes, oh, yes. no, I've got to get this broad's hat back to her. Yeah, i got to um, get this Dizzy Dame's hat, yeah. Which she will now be known as Lisa Simpson because it's so, like, just in your face. They just I can't. mean, it is, it is Lisa Simpson. <laughs> We get a little bit better of a backstory with Cecilia that her parents are just these really rich business socialites that yeah, just spend absent, no time with her. Parents. And they're absent parents. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, that's fair enough that she's upset. That's understandable. Yeah. And then he convinces her to go join the circus with her, like at the drop of yeah, a hat. And so, so his explanation, his explanation for why he's running away. She explains, oh, my parents are never there. Like, I have absent parents. They neglect me. And he's like, hey, you should have tried having my mother. Hey, she's all slobbering on me, kissing on me in public, no less. Like, <laughs> his explanation, oh, they're too affectionate? Yeah. Are you running away? Are you convincing this child that actually has issues to run away? You're a psychopath. Absolutely. And we get You're even sick. more... Um... You know, You know what we get more of? What? We get more of the kid who wanted the Thanksgiving hat because <laughs> Cecilia throws her Thanksgiving hat out the window and it floats down and lands with the kid in, from the bubble that we saw earlier saying, geez whiz, I wish I had a Thanksgiving hat. So she gets her wish. Yeah. And that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. At the Thanksgiving Day parade, the dinosaurs, they walk in the parade, they pretend that they're f- floats. Yeah, yeah. This is after uh, Cecilia meets the dinosaurs and we get the first, like, weird flirting thing between them, between Cecilia and Louis. Yeah, where she's just immediately, like, into him and yeah. he's like, oh, uh, yeah, nah, nah, that's gross. Yeah, Stop well, he it. understands that girls have cooties. He's very much in that age group of girls it, have cooties and they're disgusting. In the in the know, yes. So, something I really laughed at was the... They're going down in their parade and all the kids are happy because they're seeing dinosaurs and they're like, look, mum, a dinosaur. And the mum's like, nah, stupid. They're not dinosaurs, they're robots. 
That's not a real yeah, dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, why, why was, as a parent, would you crush your child's dreams like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The parents <laughs> in this movie aren't very uh, sensible. No, and then do you know what John Goodman does? He goes, oh, no, nobody believes that we're real. Do you know what will make them think I'm real? I'm going to do a song and dance number. <sighs> It's a musical now, and and but only for one a very song, bizarre one, and then for, it will stop for being one a musical. Song. <laughs> exactly uh, to to prove to all these people that dinosaurs are real, and I am a dinosaur, as displayed by the thing that we're all known for. That dinosaurs are all known for musical numbers, song and dance. Perfect. Just real quick, they're they're disguised as a Thanksgiving Day float. Where we don't know where these kids got the rest of the float because they have actually got like a designed thing. But they're being pulled He like sees it along. and he's just like, yeah, I've got an idea. And he just decides that somehow they commandeered that float and got the dinosaurs to pull the float so that Louie and Cecilia can sit up in the top of it and she can weirdly hit on him oh, again. Uh, Cecilia, what do you think of my friends, huh? I think they're swank. First train, top hat, right down to their tails. Say what? And I like you too. Hey! Shut up with that. What are you, Safi? And this dance number is what like stuns people. Like at first, and it's 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 when he f- stops singing that they all go, "Hey, wait a minute! That's a real dinosaur." Flo- <laughs> hey, hey, wait a minute! Floats can't sing. <laughs> dinosaur! Like it's yeah. it's the logic is just so not there. And then they all scream and run away. So yeah. Louis and Cecilia, they get stuck in the crowds. They're like, we'll just meet up with you at Central Park. We'll just both get yeah. there. We'll get there ourselves. Yeah. And we get this this extended, like, dinosaurs running around. Uh, Rex is, like, riding a, yeah, a, a truck as a skateboard. All, yeah, and then the, the other dinosaurs jump on a motorbike and do a similar thing. Yeah, they're going through shops and stuff. It's, all, it's, it's very um, in a kind of, like, Blues Brothers-y, car chase in the city kind of thing. With a lot of like Looney Tune kind of gags, yeah, and the music um, is overly that, that, that never wacky hit. and Looney Tuney, and it goes from this score yeah. that's like so sad, that's tugging on your heartstrings to just like, just like yeah, stupid horns. And yeah. it's not even a real song; it's just a bunch of like honking and waka wackaing. Yeah, yeah. As they go through the city, waka waka, and dude. you're like, how wacky is this? How silly is this montage? Yeah. It's so funny, and you're like, eh. yeah, yeah, and then. They ride into a like a demolition site on this truck. Yeah, but that first keeps they changing. Ride, they size. ride into the building, but then we don't know that it's a demolition site until the neon sign turns on that says demolition. It says demolition, and then they blow up yeah. the, the building. And that sends these dinosaurs doesn't send their guts all over the fucking place. It just launches them across the city into Central Park. Perfect. Should have done and that then in the first the place. The movie just changes tone Ooh. again. To the most bloody horrifying... Yeah. The dinosaurs see the poster for the circus and they see that it's Professor Screw-Eyes Circus, who is the brother Mm -hmm. of Captain New-Eyes. Who we were warned about about by Captain New-Eyes. He goes around doing awful deeds the same way that Captain New-Eyes goes around doing nice things. Yes, he went mad after he lost his eye. That's his backstory. I've never met someone that hasn't gone mad after losing an eye. To be fair. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to question that. Louis and Cecilia get to the circus before the dinosaurs can warn them and they immediately decide to take a blood oath into the circus. (laughs) Yeah, because they saw a funny clown. Just prior to this scene, we see him getting almost getting in a punch-on with some... uh, 
some attendees of the of the circus. They're like clown, apparently like rough clown and tough fans. kinda. They got some clown yeah. makeup on and they were going to the circus. Yeah, and, and he got, picks like, a fight with them out shit. of nowhere. Yeah, and afterwards, uh Cecilia's like, gee whiz, you're so big and strong. And he's like, uh, you know, yeah, ain't I? But also st- stop that, go away, that's gross. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but also, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, no, you still have cooties. So they're watching the clown, uh, Stubbs, doing doing like his bit. Which isn't funny. I'm sorry, clowns aren't fucking funny. But the little girl laughs and that that sets Screw Eye off. He turns around, he's like, Arr! tells him to go away, tells him the circus is done for the day. And they're like, no, 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 we want to, we want to join. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. You're stupid. Good day. And they're like, come on, they're we like, really no, no, want to no, join. Me, let me, let me, we really want to join. And he's like, okay, here's a nefarious contract. And we're also in this scene introduced to these crows that are watching down. These green, on the, peering the, eyes. The thing. These, gr- these green-eyed crows who we assume, and I think rightfully so, his crows, Dr. Screw-Eyes crows. Yeah, that's what, I f- that's what I figured. Yeah, they don't seem to, to come back for the rest of the scene, which is, is fine. Immediately after they've signed the contract in blood, the dinosaurs appear and yeah. go, no, 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 this guy's the bad guy. Mm. We were warned about him. And he says, yeah. well, they just signed <laughs> over this, like this- years and years of ser- servitude to me. So he wants the dinosaurs because he can recognise that they've been made smart by his brother. And he also, uh, we find out that his, the thing that he like deals in is fear. Where his brother, you know, grants wishes, he grants people the experience of seeing their worst fears. And he's got a radio that lets him hear everyone's fears. Oh my God. And the, the children, ghost children come crying out screaming from the radio about monsters it's so horrific it's horrifying and he says you guys are monsters and you can take these pills and you'll go back to being monsters and be in my yeah, circus brain drain instead of uh, instead of brain grain and and if you do that i'll let the children go and he shows them this he shows them the the, the children's fears by turning the machine up one notch yeah. The machine has the mach- the big nefarious machine has three notches. And you expect all right, he's going to turn it to that third notch, like that's going to be skits. But he turns it to the middle one and you go, "Oh, well, well maybe he'll turn it up to the big one after, like no, later no, no, or no. something." Like we get, we got to see this big nefarious machine go go hard. But we never see the big nefarious machine go that hard, to nope. be honest. Or we just we know that it could have gone harder. Yeah. He shows the dinosaurs the effects of brain drain by giving a temporary dose to the children, turning them into chimps. That yeah, was pretty scary as a kid. That scared the shit out of me as a kid. I Dude, do I do remember that. When I saw that, I was like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. Talk about last week's episode, body horror. That's like Body horror, dude. That's some real body horror for children. Really? Kids yeah, movies really. used to I be fucking that's... scary. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That werewolves, that kind of like transformation stuff always scared me as a kid. Should have given uh, Brundlefly some of that brain drain, dude. Yeah, man. Um, and again, we see. So this is where we see the crows again. They're like laughing at the kids turned into into monkeys. And so again, we're like, these crows are working with uh, who's it's. And he says, "Look, if you don't sign this contract the same way the kids do, I'm going to put them in a, an attraction at this at this circus. But if you sign a contract, I'll waive theirs." And so the dinosaurs are like, "Okay, yeah, you know what? I'll do it." There was all, it's all very sad. Um, it is a yeah, heart, like, heartwarming moment. Yeah, it takes the kids like to, to one of the tents and kind of tucks them in. They they revert back to being human. He like touches them the and hair. they revert back to human. Yeah, yeah. He he shows them some affection 
and they go back to being human. Cuts to the next morning and the kids are in one of the circus tents that now doesn't look all that scary uh, in the daylight and they meet Stubbs, who is like bargain bin Nathan Lane. There's Martin Short, the only like legitimate comedian in the whole voice cast. And yet somehow manages to not be funny. No, yep. not at all. His whole routine and his whole shtick and all the like comedic elements in this movie feel like they've been written someone who is like provably unfunny and they've gone, no, no, this is funny. Kids love this stuff. Yeah. No. Kids no. are dumb. They'll, like, they'll laugh at Kids anything. Kids are dumb. But it's like there are better examples of these sort of gags is the thing. You look at like actual Looney Tunes cartoons and they are funny. Even when it's Waka Waka, it's it's still funny. It's still got Even, good comedic uh, timing. Even still Goes they, West, they set I remember up- that being a mixture of that sort of creepy scary like this, but I do remember it being quite funny and actually actually enjoying it. Right, okay. It feels like they never decide on like a logic or a set of rules to adhere to. So you when they do stuff that should be wacky and subvert the the rules of the universe they've they've established because they haven't established any rules. They're not subverting. It's just anything. random. Yeah. They're not subverting anything. It's just a weird thing. And Weird stuff, like he holds the fishbowl up to his face as he's talking and for some reason it's a fishbowl full of water, but for some reason that makes his voice echo. It's all these little things like that where you go, you didn't think this through. You just went, this. that's what happens in cartoons. Yeah. Anyway, he, he tells them that their contracts are fine. Their con- uh, sorry, their contracts have been torn up. They're, they're null and void and the dinosaurs are now uh, under under the contract. And they're monsters now. They're turned back. And they're monsters. So the kids demand to go and, and see them. They see him in cages and it's all very, uh, well, it's not very scary, to be honest. Um, it's all I, very nothing. I remember as a, as a child being scary because it's like, oh, it's this like dark room and there's like shadows cast of these dinosaurs through bars in the cage. But yeah, no, nah, it's not very scary. And we see, again, as they're walking into that tent, we see a crow outside the tent watching them, presumably spying on them. Uh, they demand to be put in the show so they can, like, infiltrate the circus and save the dinosaurs during the show. But all they do is watch the dinosaurs during the show. We get to see the circus with all of these adults filling the stands because they like they want to come here and be scared, and that version yeah. of being scared is some little people in demon costumes running around, some people swinging from... Yeah. Uh, like wires wearing ghoul masks and yeah yeah skulls and again we get two instances earlier in the film in not not two or three scenes prior where they're talking about the audience for this circus and we meet some of them as they come in like those people that they almost get in a fight with are apparently attendees of this circus and he says like yeah i, br- I draw a peculiar crowd or something like that but half the people i mean all of the people that we see at attending this circus are just normies yeah Again, they don't follow any of these, like, they set up plot threads or set up uh, logic and don't see it through. Anyway, they, they go out, they participate in this opening number. They've got, like, people dancing around and stuff. They bring elephants in and this giant pyramid thing the main on, the, attraction. on, like, a sled. Yeah, this huge yeah. pyramid that, like, sort of bursts open in flame to reveal the dinosaurs underneath. And they all, mm. the dinosaurs all roar and everyone screams. And the dinosaurs, like, the T-Rex does look pretty cool. Yeah. With, like, the lights, the spotlights flying around it and stuff. That is, what one um, nice sequence- thing that the 
the art style that they're drawn in when they're scary is more like a Land Before Time looking dinosaur and then they turn yeah. into a more goofy looking cartoon dinosaur when they're yeah. intelligent. It's funny, this movie feels like it works best when it's abandoning whatever they were trying to do. <laughs> you know? Like we're going, oh, this this bit actually looks pretty cool because it looks like a Don Bluth movie. Yeah. Like it looks like a better Don, Don Bluth produced movie. Yeah. Then Professor Screw Eyes is like, look at how good I am. I'm going to control the minds of the dinosaur. Yeah, by using his magical screw eye, which we don't know why is magic. We don't know the origins of this screw eye, but he's he's I used it, it earlier. I thought it was a snake to, eye to for the longest time sleep. because it just you thought it was what a snake eye because it's got that like one slit. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, then it's yeah, like, yeah. It oh, does no, have that quality. That makes sense. He's uh, he's called Screw Eye because his eyes are literally he's a, got screw. a screw for an eye. Yeah, yeah. But still, we don't know why it's got that hypnotic kind of snake eye quality. When it cuts to the audience, people are clambering over each other to get out of this place. People are screaming. And losing their goddamn minds, but every time it cuts back to the audience, the audience is like full again. Yeah. But of people running away, <laughs> like it keeps refilling and it's and, like the and emptying of the steps of Battleship Potankin. It, it's exactly that, yeah. And he, so he gets the the dinosaur to take a few steps forward and is like, "Look how epic I am!" And then one of these crows that previously we've been given every indication that they were working for. Him. Like screw eye or, or they were under his eye. control. Like maybe he yeah. could, he controls people with his eye. Maybe he has a bunch of these crows that he's constantly like has in a hypnosis that they they can see for him or something. Yeah, yeah. There's all this uh, all this stuff that that's been kind of implied that could have been cool. But one of these crows just flies up to the lighting booth where we see like an actual like hired lighting technician just doing his job and shit. That's cool. That exists in that world. Yeah, that guy that's has like, a job um, in this. You in also this world. see a little cutaway of like the DJ at the circus just like rocking out, like mixing yeah, music. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and you're these like, people oh. are employed in oh, this well, universe. I cool. guess it's a it's a gig. <laughs> a gig is a gig is a gig, dude. <laughs> and anyway, this crow flies past the lighting guy and hits the flares button. A big button labelled flares sets off flashes in the eye of Rex and breaks the hypnosis. And he he freaks out, picks up Dr. Screw Eye and starts, you know, crushing him. He's going to... He's going to... And looks looks like he's going to eat him. He's going to shout out on him. They scream... uh, Stubb screams that, oh, he's going to kill the professor. And the kid runs in and is like, no, don't do that. Don't do that, dude. Meanwhile, Cecilia is is back there praying and saying, <laughs> "Let no bad happen. Don't yep. let bad happen." Yeah. And then, uh, and and I was like, "What the f- what the fuck is that? It, like that sounds like something that we should be hearing for the second or third time in the movie. Like that yeah. sounds like a phrase. That's such a peculiar fu- f- like yeah, phrase that we should have it had sounds the repetition to." Exactly. It feels like it should have some weight, but it doesn't. Nothing in this movie has any weight. (laughs) So he's he's begging Rex not to kill the professor by like crying and being like, "But you, you are the original tough guy, Rex. You got nothing to prove. You're a giant. Don't be a midget bully boy for these yahoos. Put him down, Rex." Well, like literally that shit. Yeah, it was weird. It's supposed to be this like um. Uh, completely open and fragile and he exp- and he like opens up and explains like I'm a tough guy because I'm insecure and that's why I put this this act on but you're the original tough guy you don't need to act like that what's he say he's like 
He's like, Rex, that means king. <laughs> so he calls Rex king, and because Rex is a, is a total king, he reverts back to his goofy, or reverts, evolves yeah. into his goofy cartoon, but smart, I don't know, version of himself. He puts the professor down, and he's like, way to go, Rex. They hug. The audience, which is now full after evacuating however many times. Shut up. <laughs> has, has filled back up. They're throwing hats. They're cheering and, and whistling, hollering. And then suddenly Captain New Eyes comes down and thanks thanks Louis for his work and thanks Cecilia for, for wish, saying, for wishing hard let enough. no bad happen. Yeah, the purest but wish. literally says, yeah, yeah. I heard you on my wish radio. I, I, I was able to find you because of the wish you made. And now we're going to uh, take you all over to the Museum of Natural History. Yeah, yeah. And then he's and like, come with weird... me, brother. Change the error of your ways. And he's like, nah, fuck you. It's all this weird like resolution that you kind of go, oh, uh, okay. It, it doesn't it, feel very good, though. It, oh, sort of like when they actually get to the circus and we meet Professor Screw Eyes, that feels like that should be like the beginning of the movie almost or like 20 minutes in. Yeah. But instead it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. we're almost done by that point. Uh, Rex asks if he did anything bad and then uh, Cecilia and Louis smooch and Louis like, no, Cecilia smooches Louis and Louis like, ah, that's unmanly, that's embarrassing. She's like, <laughs> Reverse psychologies, and he's like, yeah. she's like, yeah, all right, pussy, kiss me, and he's like, I ain't no pussy, and then goes and kisses her. <laughs> she says like, yeah, yeah, the manly thing to do would be to kiss me, not be kissed yeah, by and he's me. Like, he's like, oh shit, dude, I got played. <laughs> and then again, me. the uh, Elsa says that she wants to lay an egg. Yeah, then she's the like, Rex is looking. Yeah, she watches. At her. It's weird. Uh, she Elsa looks at the children kissing. And she gets horny, looks at Rex and goes, you know what, I was going to say gets horny, but I didn't know if that was distasteful. Yes, she gets horny. No, she 100% does. And then she says it makes me want to lay an egg. That's literally oh, just saying, disgusting. hey, Rex, I want you to ha- have a baby with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what the egg um, means. And then we get like an extended rant from Stubbs f- quitting, yeah. quitting the oh. circus. Uh, all this stuff that Just, I remember really liking and laughing at as a kid, I hate. <laughs> I hated so much. And then, like you said, he asks, uh, uh, New Eyes asks, Come Drew with Eyes, me, brother. Yeah, come with me. And he's like, No, not on your life. And they're like, Okay. Uh, and, they, and then they the fly second off. the platform starts to raise, he's like, Wait. Yeah, well, as soon as really the light weird. goes away, the ship goes away, but as does the entirely full audience that existed until a second ago. Shut up. The the audience. This is <laughs> anyway. The audience disappears, and then it, yeah, it's so weird. Like he and he's left alone, and he he says, "Brother, brother, wait. When I am alone, when I have no one to scare, I get very frightened myself." And then he says, "The crows, they might." And then the crows fly down and just and just apparently devour him. Yeah. He's just, like, eviscerated. Within a matter of seconds, all that's left is the screw that just falls to the ground. Yeah. And again, that yeah, it uh, felt like that is, like, of some sort of significance or, like, we're supposed to know why that's happening or what is happening. Mm. But it's just, yeah. like, this big question mark of, like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, and we've then, got no indication and that he was... And then we get to was- the end, which is... 
Like crow food. It's so stupid. Like I'm not normally, you know, it's a kids movie. You're like, it doesn't have to make the, like the, the most sense. It just needs to be entertaining and yeah. have like a good through yeah. line. Yeah, but yeah, the yeah. fact that he just rocks up at the end, saves them, and takes them to the Museum of Natural History—it's like, why the fuck couldn't have you just done that in the first place? Why do you need to drop him out of the sky? Yeah, like, did you have shit to do? Did you have errands to run that was so important that you couldn't escort for like newly errands that are so important that you couldn't just use your time machine to have enough time? <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, we're getting into that. But into there's that not even fucking, like a throwaway uh, line of like, oh, but if I had never thrown you down into the city, you never would have met Louis and Cecilia. Like yeah, there's no, no just like a little throwaway thing. He's that's whimsy. Like, it, like that's the thing. He's it, supposed to be this whimsical, wise old man. They establish that. So but they it could don't have just been through. like a little like yeah, whimsical line that's basically essentially just the the movie wouldn't have happened if we didn't do this, and that would have yeah. been enough. But there's nothing. Yep. You're just like that's weird. Nothing. You just delivered them to the front door of the museum. You could have done that in the first place, surely. And then this kooky, like blind, inept uh, historian. Gets them in the uh, the exhibit where hides the kids from their parents and lets them hang out with these live dinosaurs. Okay, they're friendly and all that, sure. We get to see like the kids hanging out with, with the dinosaurs and stuff. And then there's like a scene transition where the, the doctor turns around and she's like, oh, this is wonderful. And then a door closes and it's it's Professor New Eyes closing the door. Yeah. He says, and that's the way it is. His eye twinkles. Oh, man. That, and then that we felt like cross it was supposed fade to back be, to the golf course. It was supposed to be like, like It feels like the movie just ended and now it's ending again. Yeah, but also that it's like, oh, is this supposed to be like setting up that like Captain New Eyes will be some sort of uh, narrative vehicle from multiple other kids' movies of like completely separate <laughs> in the sure. Amblimation universe or something? The Cinematic ACU. universe, yeah. Yeah, so then we go back to... The golf course and talk about uh we've already talked about unsatisfying conclusions mm-hmm. then the, the little bird's like but what happened to louis and cecilia and he's like well they got back with their parents and made up yeah and we see yeah little, they made up with their parents and we see little photographs of louis making up with his parents which was literally just louis coming back to his parents and being like oh i I won't be a shit and run away anymore. And they're like, yeah, here, have this bike on Christmas Day. <laughs> and you're like, that kid had fucking nothing wrong with his life at all. And he was running away for they, no reason. That's it. They give him a bike and we see more photos. And he, he in one of the photos, he's visiting the Statue of Liberty with his mum, dad, and like three brothers or like three kids yeah, dressed yeah, like him. Same yeah. hair. Like I'm assuming brothers. Yeah, yeah, we brother. only assume brothers. Like what? What? And then. I assumed he was an only child or something. Yeah, something Up weird. until this point. I guess, like, it was... Like, why else would he be such a choke? I'm guessing that uh, they didn't establish... Like, there was maybe something cut, but the bird is trying to run away from the nest because all of his older brothers are picking on him for the mum smooching all over him. So that must have been the same with Louis, that all of his older brothers picked on him because he was, like, mum's little baby. Because he was the youngest or something. Yeah. But it it was never in the movie. Stuff is established and they're not followed through and then cecilia who again had the worst deal where her parents were just absent they're just like oh they made up 
And you're like, wait, what? How? Why did her parents yeah. start loving her again <laughs> and, and going yeah, to yeah. family and night with her? All the footage, all the photos we see, we see like four photos of them hanging out and it just looks like her, her family just went like, oh, wait, we have a child. <laughs> it's and so like, random that just rocked it back gives up no home. reason of why there was this conclusion. And I love that one no. of the uh, the photo montages is them getting rid of all of their like their modern furniture that's all like... Oh, it's really sterile and being like, let's put some flowers and a nice comfortable couch in this room, in this space instead. Some, so we can yeah, all sit yeah, on yeah. it as a family. And she, like, she's established to be some kind of like rich gal. And he's like yeah, a street a, rat a, kind a, of thing. She's a debutante. She's a debutante. That's right. Um, but that's never really explored either. Nope. And then we basically get the credits. The bird decides to go back to its nest. Rex is like, and that's that's the shit, my boy. Do ba do ba do ba do do do. Rock the throw the rock yeah, back, and then that's right. And they're also the like, oh, what about you? It's just the throwaway line. He's like, yeah, we we're, the dinosaurs are still at the exhibit, but I just like to go out and play golf on weekends. How is he moving freely about the city to go and play golf on weekends? Man, it's a bizarre film. The running time is just over an hour. It feels like an hour and a half. It feels like an hour and a half, but you look at the... It's a, it's this weird thing where it feels longer than it is, but if it was longer than it is, they would have had time to make all the stuff that they put in there, take all the shit that didn't need to be there or didn't work out, make good on the stuff that they'd put in there that did work, Yeah, and you would have had like a 90-minute movie that, that felt right, you know? Yeah. And probably would have felt like 75. It feels like there should have been this, there's this class divide between Louis and Cecilia. So there could have been more uh, explanation between them of, oh, why did you run away from home? Oh, well, my parents are like this. And he's like, mm. oh, your place looks pretty uh, pretty rich. What do you have? A, like, what, what reason do you have to be upset? And she's like, oh, but mm. this... And he's like, oh, my mum's always kissing on me too much. And she's like, I wish my mum paid attention to me. Why do you yeah, run away when your parents love you? And he's like, oh, but this. Exactly. Yeah, there's so many opportunities that they, that could have been brought up in any scenes of the movie to actually establish yeah, them and yeah. give more backstory. Yeah. Well, because all of the characters are just stereotypes or they're completely one-dimensional. So there's no room for any of those characters to have growth because they're not characters to begin with. Yeah. They're a one-line synopsis, mm. you know? Man, I'm I'm really baffled by this flick. I guess it comes like what it comes down to for for us on this show is does it does it hold up? Yeah, like it was inevitable that we were going to get to an episode finally where something didn't hold up. Yeah, I uh, because it's been mostly positive this whole time. It's been mostly positive and stuff that we remembered um, well, if not fondly. This I do remember uh, enjoying a lot as a kid, but I didn't remember any. Specifics. I couldn't remember why. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think it is a movie targeted at children and children are stupid. Yeah. Like, they'll enjoy, they will enjoy dumb shit. And, and that's okay. And that's, that's fine. And baby Connor was a particularly dumb baby. I was a particularly fucking dumb baby. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I ate this up. I think as an adult, I, I no, I couldn't, I couldn't recommend this to any adult and I wouldn't recommend it to a kid because I'd be like, it's it's like recommending a kid to just eat a bunch of fucking candy. It's like, yeah, uh, you know, eat, eat, eat something with a bit of nutritional value. Show them the fucking Iron Giant. Show them any of the Disney flicks. It's funny because, yeah, when we're growing up, you've got a couple of those ones from other studios, but mostly it's Disney. There wasn't that many. And, like, some had stood the test of time more than others. Like, the, the mm. Disney princesses ones were obviously mm -hmm. uh, the more popular 
in the 90s when we were still kids. Now for kids, they've got the whole Pixar library. They've got all of those Disney hand-drawn animated movies. They've got all the Disney uh, CGI movies. You've got DreamWorks mm-hmm. CGI movies. Um, I'm not a big fan, but you've got the, uh, what's that other studio called that does? Illumination. Yeah, you've got the Illumination studio as well. So there's just so much more to choose from. So I feel like kids nowadays, uh, they will have seen more of these like higher quality of children's film. And if you showed them mm. this, they'd be like, what the fuck is this? It is just a movie that you kind of go, uh, nah, let's just forget about that. Yep. Like if kid was like, uh, what about this movie? You'd be like, you don't want to watch that movie. Here, here, watch this instead. Yeah. Watch, like- watch Land Before Time, watch Iron Giant, and watch all the Disney stuff. Yeah. So we definitely had uh, rose-tinted glasses on this time, dude. Yeah, our, our hindsight was uh, was not twenty twenty. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode, even if we didn't enjoy the film. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to support us, the biggest thing you can do is share us to your friends, share us around on social media. If you're listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, rating and reviewing also helps us very much. We'd love to know what you thought of this week's episode. Uh, I would love to know what you thought of this movie. Like, are, are we wrong? <laughs> are we out of touch? Um, you can hit us up to us at so. Rose Tint Review. No, I don't think so either. You can tweet us at Rose Tint Review or uh, hit us up on Instagram, uh, Rose Tinted Review, and Rotten tell Tomatoes us what you thought. Is on our side. <laughs> yeah, Rotten Tomatoes is on our side. So you know, tread carefully, uh, and and ha- have a think this week. I'd love to know, in in the movie, at the start, we hear all the kids' wishes and a bunch of these kids' wishes is to see a dinosaur. We get kids saying, I want to see a T-Rex. I want to see a Triceratops. I want to see a a Pterodactyl. And we get one kid who says, I wish I saw an Apatosaurus. No one in the history (laughs) of dinosaurs being cool has ever wanted to see an Apatosaurus. I guarantee you that. What's the, what's the dinosaur you wanted to see? What dinosaur would you have been stoked to see as a kid? If it's an Apatosaurus, I really apologize, but I'm, I'm, that, that's... <laughs> Prove you, us wrong. You, uh, you had a sad, sad childhood, if that's the case. Um, I would have loved to have seen uh, Velociraptors were my shit as yeah, a kid. Yeah, man, Velociraptors are fucking cool. Uh, next episode, we're going to be looking at the Iron Giant uh, as a kind of counterpoint to this, to, to look at a movie that, um, in, in my opinion... Uh, does a lot of the stuff that this movie tries to do, uh, but right. Yeah, that's right. I know that you're very fond of that movie, and I have mm-hmm. fairly fond memories of it as a child. I've rewatched it a couple of years ago and wasn't as fond then, so it'll be interesting to see whether I like swing back on it or if I totally. Or otherwise, we're gonna have some some big some big beef on the podcast. Yeah, dude, <laughs> big beef. We'll have to squash it. Uh, <laughs> if you want to follow along at home uh, in our in our little bizarre little online book club we've got going on uh we strongly recommend that you watch the movie before listening to the episode does make it a more enjoyable experience because uh context is everything dude that's right so join us next time when we'll find out if our hindsight is truly 2020 or we've just been wearing rose tinted glasses 